scripture reading this morning will come from Luke 24, 1 through 12. Luke 24, 1 through 12. The resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified. On the third day he will be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary mother of James, and the others with them who had told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because the words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Thank you, Brother Allen. Good morning, church. It is great to see each and every one of you here today. Thank you so much for coming. I know we have several visitors and we thank you uh, for being here today. Uh, maybe you're here today and you might be looking for a church home. We say this often and, and we mean it. You are welcome here. Uh, we want to encourage you to consider this uh, when you're thinking about a church home. But we also want you to, we want to be real. We want you to know that we are not perfect people. Sometimes we may act like it, but we are not perfect people. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God. We love Him and therefore we love one another. And we want to encourage you to be a part of our number. I failed to mention a couple of things. I want to bring this to your attention a while ago. Uh, tonight, our team challenge group that we uh, feed once a month, they will be here with us at our evening service. And so we want to encourage you, uh, if you're able to be here, to be back with us. Uh, but also take note of these men and encourage them and introduce yourself to them. And I know they will appreciate it. Uh, it's a new group, uh, several new ones uh, with the group, uh, with, with them now. So we want to encourage you to meet them as well tonight. Uh, I received a text a while ago uh, from Miss Sharon Rachels. Uh, she's been called uh, back home uh, because BJ is not doing well and want to encourage you to remember BJ. I'm not sure if you were able to be here um, Friday, but the service for Miss Mary Jean was beautiful. Her family stood in this location and gave her a wonderful tribute as well as did others. And we're thankful for the life that she lived and the example that she lived. And one thing that stood out to me that our family shared is how important God was in her life and how important the church was in her life. And we have an opportunity every single day. You walk in this building and there are things that were created 
in the beautiful, creative mind of Sister Mary Jean Reynolds. Uh, some of those are right here, these columns. The way I understand, she painted those. There are pictures in the office area and in the hallways. And I just want to encourage you to continue to remember this family. But when you, walk, when, when you come in this auditorium, remember those uh, like Sister Mary Jean who put so much time and effort in the things around this building because she loved God and she loved the church. My heart is also heavy today uh, because a dear friend of mine uh, an elder of the church down in Hartsville, Alabama, uh, had a stroke last Monday and passed away on Wednesday, and he is being laid to rest today. A great man of faith and one that I will miss dearly. Uh, but like we've mentioned before, those who die in the Lord, we get to see again. We strive for that, and we long for that, and we look forward to that. I want you to notice on the screen here, first of all, I'd like to ask that you turn in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Maybe you have your electronic device and you will turn there. and We'll notice John chapter 20. Uh, we've been studying through the book of John uh, for those that haven't been here. Uh, and we've learned some great things from, the less, from lessons from the book of John. And so we fast forward today uh, for... Uh, thinking about the resurrection. Many people around the world are thinking about the resurrection. Also, all this week, many people in Christendom have been thinking about different things as it relates to the last week of the life of Jesus. And today, many are focused on the resurrection. But I want you to notice on the screen here, uh, if can we get there to the next picture? Is it high? There we go. All right. Uh, I don't know if you've been here. I've not been here and seen this. Um, but the way I understand it, it's an, it's an awesome scene. This is the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And as you can see on this picture, this tomb is heavily guarded, as always is the case. Every soldier guarding the tomb takes 21 steps. This alludes to the 21-gun salute, which is... The greatest honor given any military or foreign dignitary. The guards are changed every 30 minutes, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. The first six months of a person, a man who takes this duty, the first six months of the duty, a guard cannot talk to anyone or watch TV. How many of you would give up on the first day? I would. But these guards take that serious. All off-duty time is spent studying the 175 notable people laid to rest in Arlington National Cemetery. A guard must memorize who they are and where they are buried. Every guard spends five hours a day getting his uniforms ready for guard duty. I'd say these men take that duty seriously. In 2003... As Hurricane Isabel approached the Washington, D.C. area, the U.S. Senate and the House took two days off with anticipation of the storm. On the ABC Evening News, it was reported that because of the dangers from the hurricane, the military members assigned the duty of guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier were given permission to suspend the assignment. They respectfully declined, saying, No way, sir. Soaked to the skin, marching in the pelting rain of a tropical storm, they said that guarding the tomb was not just an assignment, 
It was the highest honor that can be afforded to a service person. The tomb has been patrolled continuously, 24 hours, 7 days a week, since 1930. These gentlemen took that job seriously, didn't they? What a powerful testimony of men who no matter what the circumstances are, whether it was raining or whether it was snowing, whether it was sunshiny or cloudy, even in the midst of a tropical storm, they took their job seriously. But today, our thoughts and our lessons are not about the tomb of the unknown soldier. You see, today I want to take our minds back. I want us to look at and I want us to think about and remember a tomb that carries so much more weight than even this great tomb of the unknown soldier. Think about that for a moment. Think about the seriousness these service people took for this position of honor. And today, we think about a tomb that was also guarded, that carries so much more weight and significance than this tomb in Arlington, Virginia. And so let's set the scene. I want you to notice several pictures on the screen here as, as we talk about the scene. The scene begins with Jesus the week before He were, was to rise from the grave. He enters the city of Jerusalem with the people with a triumphant parade, them laying palm branches down all before Him on the ground. Hence, we have on our calendars Palm Sunday. And they shout in triumphant praise, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You see, at this point, people thought Jesus came to redeem Israel. The next day, Jesus enters the temple. A lot of people believe this is the second cleansing. The first one is found in the early part of the book of John. The people were making this place into a marketplace. And this angered Jesus, for Luke records in Luke chapter 19. It is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Imagine if you went to the tomb of the unknown soldier and you disregarded that tomb. Imagine how those soldiers would react. You see, they stand guard to say, you will not do that here. And Jesus says, you will not do that to my Father's house. He continued every day teaching in the temple. And then the day comes, the dreadful day comes, when Judas betrays our Lord. And then in John chapter 13, Jesus does the unimaginable. He washes the disciples' feet. He sends them on, He sends the disciples on to gather preparations for the Passover meal. And then when they're gathered in the room, Jesus unleashes on them the full extent of His love. Really? He grabs a towel and He grabs a basin of water and He begins to do the job of a servant. And He washes the disciples' feet. He told them they didn't realize what they were doing, but later they would understand. And boy, did they. 
And then Jesus sitting down with His apostles. Partaking of the Passover meal, He institutes the Lord's Supper, what we might call communion, which we still partake of today. And then Jesus goes out as usual, and He goes into the garden to pray. And you remember that scene as He's there in the garden, He's praying. Luke says, His sweat was as it were great drops of blood. And then the scene, all of a sudden they hear off in the distance a noise and they see torches and they see a crowd coming to them. And Jesus is arrested. Judas, you remember, leads the crowd. And He goes up to the Lord and He betrays the Lord with a kiss. Jesus is led to be put on trial before the Sanhedrin council. Peter, remember that great scene where Peter denies the Lord three times. Jesus is brought before Pilate, then sent to Herod, then brought back before Pilate. And Pilate asked this angry mob that had been gathered by these other Jewish leaders, it is the custom that I release to you a prisoner. Who would you have for me to release? And they say, Barabbas! A known criminal. What would you have for me to do with Jesus? Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And then Jesus is led away and He's put on that cross and He's crucified. While on that cross, Matthew records in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They crucify Him between two criminals, one on His left and one on His right. And then He spoke these powerful words recorded in Luke chapter 23 when after the people had gambled over His clothing. And Jesus cries out, You want to know love? Here's some words of love. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then He gives up the Spirit and He dies. And then we come to what we think about and want to draw our minds to today. And that is the resurrection. I want us to notice three brief things that the resurrection brought to those people in John chapter 20 and in that day and also brings us today. John chapter 20 Verse 1. We notice here in verses 1 through 18 that the resurrection brought joy. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciples, whom Jesus, other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and followed him and went to the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen clothes but folded together in a place by itself. 
Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went also, went in also, and he saw and he believed. Verse 9. For as yet they did not know the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. You see, this joy that comes from the resurrection is a joy that's only found in Jesus Christ. It's a joy that's not brought about by circumstances. Remember, up until this particular point, their circumstances did not look very good, did it? They looked very dark. Maybe even after we walked through these doors, this morning I saw the sky clouding up, darkening. It was a dark day for them. They had just seen the King of Kings murdered and crucified. I mean, the only one who had brought joy into their life, into their world. And all of a sudden, He was gone. Not very good in circumstances. As Alan read for us from the book of Luke, It's obvious that Mary and some of the other women had come to the tomb. They had prepared some spices for further burial processes. But Jesus wasn't there. Jesus wasn't there. Wouldn't you imagine if you went to see Jesus and all of a sudden He's there? Yes! Just like He said, He has been risen. But you know, sometimes we hear things that go in one ear and out the other. Now, I don't need all the women to say amen about your husbands. But sometimes that happens, right? It goes in one ear and out the other, and that's what happened to these people. They didn't realize Jesus would actually rise from the dead. And so she runs and tells Peter and John. And they come and they see and they believe, yes, He's not there. But in the next few verses, I want you to notice what Mary did. The Bible says she begins to weep. An angel appeared to her and said, Who are you looking for? I'm looking for my Lord. He was here, but now He's gone. I don't know where they've taken Him. And then something amazing happens. Jesus appears to her. And He asks her, Why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she doesn't recognize Him. I'm looking for my Lord. Do you know where they have taken Please tell me and I will go get Him. It's obvious that Mary loved the Lord. She runs to the tomb early in the morning. She's there. She wants to prepare more spices for the burial of His body. And when He is not there, she is torn up. But once she realized Jesus spoke to her, she clung to Him in joy for dear life. Wouldn't you do that as well? You see, for Mary, the reality of the resurrection moved her from tears to joy. Maybe today your circumstances do not look 
very good. Here's what we want you to know. There's joy that's found in Jesus Christ that goes far beyond our circumstances. Because He has risen from the grave, He is alive. Whatever your circumstances are today, Jesus understands. John 1.14, Jesus came, He walked as a man, He became flesh. He understands. And He wants to be a part of your life today if He's not already. You see, after Mary realized that it was Jesus who talked with her, she was overjoyed to the point that she ran and she told the other disciples, I have seen the Lord. That was her message. What a message that we have today that we can go into a dark world and we can declare, I have seen the Lord and He is at work in my life. I want Him to be at work in your life as well. The followers of Jesus, they continue to share that message of joy and victory around the world, everywhere they are. The people who are hurting. And what a message that we have to share today too with people who are hurting. Let us be challenged to do as Mary did. To share with joy and love. We don't have a message of fear other than if you're outside of Jesus... You have reason to fear. But the rest of the message is inside of Jesus. There is love. There is joy. There is compassion. There is forgiveness. There is help for your dark circumstances. Because He, today we declare, He is alive. Amen? The people in Jesus' day shared that message. Because Jesus had arisen and is alive. And that brought them joy. But notice also in verses 19 and following, the the resurrection also brought transformation of faith. But then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace, be still. The Lord was in their midst. And He offered them peace. Today, the Lord is in our midst. And He offers us peace. When He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As my Father sent me, I also send you. And then Thomas, the week later, Thomas is with them. Thomas wasn't with them the first time. But a week later, they're gathered together again and Thomas is there. You see, Thomas has said, listen, unless I see physical, tangible evidence, I will not believe. I'm not going to do it. I need physical, tangible evidence. Not a bad thing, is it? Let's don't be too hard on old Thomas. Thomas needed that physical, tangible evidence. But when it was given to him, he believed. We must ask ourselves, what would I do in that situation? 
Would I have been any different from Thomas? I mean, have you seen anybody risen from the grave? I haven't. Neither had they. Even though the Lord promised. What would we do? Maybe I should ask myself this question. What do I do today? Lord, I really trust You. I trust You, Lord, but I I just can't give up this stuff. I trust You, Lord. I want to trust You. I need a little bit more evidence, but I have some things back here that, that I just want to hang on to. I trust You, Lord, but I'm comfortable where I'm at. When Jesus allowed Thomas to touch his wounds, he told them, Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And then Thomas said, My Lord and my God. I want you to notice John chapter 20 and verse 29. Here's where we come into the story. Jesus then told Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus believed, or Thomas believed in the resurrection Lord because He saw Him. He touched Him. But Jesus said, listen, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. If you're here today and you believe in the resurrected Lord, Jesus said, you are Blessed. The Apostle Paul would remind us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, it's real easy to talk about faith, isn't it? I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's real easy to stand up here and talk about these things. but oftentimes it's difficult when we have to go out and live it. It's real easy to say, I believe. But it's harder to go out when your circumstances are dark. When you feel like, God, where are you? You see, it's in those circumstances that many times it's harder to live it. But Jesus says, if you'll believe, if you'll live it, you will be blessed. Beyond measure. Beyond anything that we can think that would bring us blessing in this life. We will be blessed. What a message. What a Savior. He is alive. And then finally this morning, the resurrection brought life. Look at the end of the chapter. Verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written... Hello, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. 
This morning we were studying the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6 and 7. And we made mention about the fact of how Satan, Satan wants to influence us and distract us. And we talked about what if Jesus, or what if Satan came and offered us a deal? Listen, if you will denounce Jesus, if you will turn your back on God, I will allow you to live. Pretty good deal, right? Well, let's think about it. Have you had dark days? Have you had pain? Have you had suffering? And that's the kind of life you want to give me, Satan? No, sir. No way. Count me out. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life. And John would say, have it more abundantly. You see, this is a life that lasts through eternity. Amen? Satan, you can do whatever you want to to this old body. Because this is just a temporary dwelling place. I want abundant life in Jesus Christ so I can live forever. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said in John 10 and verse 10, we've alluded to, I have come that they have more life, have life. And one verse says, have it to the full or more abundantly. Do you want full life? It's not found in our circumstances. It's found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because He lives, He is alive. And therefore, I can be alive as well. Are you tired of the empty promises of Satan and the world? Do you want real, abundant life? You see, our message today and every day is that that's found in Jesus Christ. We want you to make sure you're in Jesus Christ today. The Bible teaches, this is not our doctrine, this is straight from Scripture, in the book of Acts especially, that when people realized they were outside of Jesus Christ, that they were lost, they may have even believed. And they were told, what do we need to do? Repent. Repent of those past sins. And be buried with Jesus Christ in baptism. Die to that old self to rise in newness of life. Why? What's the purpose? Because God asked us to. And because it's in the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ, in Jesus Christ. Paul talks about Romans chapter 6. Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 3. So that I can have abundant life. Because He lives, we're going to sing in just a few moments, I can face tomorrow. I dare say because He lives, I can face today. Because He lives, we too can live for eternity. Little Philip was born with Down syndrome. He loved to attend church. And he did so faithfully. And he attended the third grade Sunday school class with several other eight and eight-year-old boys and girls. This was a typical class of children. And because, because Philip was different, uh, he was not fully accepted by the rest of the class. 
But due to a creative teacher, they began to accept Him a little bit more, but not fully. And on one Sunday, maybe the Sunday after Easter, they were gathered in the Bible class. And the teacher had brought in, do you remember years ago, those of you younger don't really know what we're talking about, but years ago, you remember the leggings eggs? The legs eggs that had the pantyhose in them? He brought in some of those empty big eggs. And he challenged the students, I want you to go out on the churchyard and I want you to gather whatever you think to you is beautiful. And I want you to put it in that egg. And I want you to bring it back and we'll open them up and we'll talk about them. And so they brought the eggs back and one by one as they opened them up, whether it was a flower or a butterfly or whatever it was, the other children oohed and awed. But then the teacher opened up one that was empty. And the other students began shouting out, That's not fair! Someone didn't do it right! There's nothing in there! And Philip tugged on the teacher's arm sleeve and said, That's my egg. And they began to say, See, Philip, you never do anything right. You don't even put anything in the egg. It's empty. And Philip said to the teacher, I did. I did do it right. There's nothing in the egg because the tomb was empty. And from that day forward, the rest of the class accepted Philip. It wasn't long after that that Philip became ill. He had gotten an infection that most children would recover from, but not Philip. And he passed away. And that day, led by their Sunday school teacher, that teacher and those students came into the building, made their way down front by the casket in the area where the casket was laying. And they did not lay flowers around little Philip. But every one of them had one of those plastic eggs that was empty. You see, Philip, who had some handicaps, understood that because the tomb was empty, there's joy. Because the tomb is empty, we can have transformation. And because the tomb is empty, we can have life that lasts through eternity. Today, as many think about the resurrection of Jesus, we ask the question, are you in Jesus Christ today so that you can receive abundant life? If you're not, I really want to challenge you to consider eternity at this moment. Over the last several months, we've laid a lot of people to rest. Some very unexpectedly. My good friend that I wish I could talk to, I can't anymore in this life. 
But because of Jesus Christ, and because of faith and obedience in Him, and because we've both been buried in Jesus Christ, and we seek to live faithfully, guess what? I get to see my friend again. It's our prayer. If you are not in Jesus Christ, please consider that. Will you accept Jesus today? Will you accept abundant life? Maybe you're here today, and maybe you have accepted that abundant life, but maybe you've been away from the Lord. Again, we challenge you. We challenge you to think about your life. Jesus says, I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. Are you walking with the Lord today? What better day? What better day than on the day we call Easter? Than on the day that so many throughout the world remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What better day to give your life to Jesus or to rededicate your life to the Lord? You know, the invitation is not, always, not only open for those who need to be, give their life to Jesus or those who need to rededicate their life. Maybe you're here today and you're in some dark days. We want you to know. I'd like for you to just look around this room. And here's something I want you to know about these people in this room. They love you. They will love you. They will rally around you today and they will gather around you. They will offer up prayers on your behalf because of your dark days. And in Jesus, you can have renewed joy and peace, not because of change of circumstances, but because of abundant life in Jesus Christ. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, don't wait another moment, but come forward and let us assist you any way we can as together we stand and sing.